Hey y'all, this is Byron. I uh, just want to put something out there. Yes, I am a mental health therapist. And yes, my couch is quite comfortable. However, if you're listening to this podcast, it is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a certified or licensed mental health therapist. So though I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to me and hopefully gain some information and insight about what's going on with you from listening to this podcast, Take the time to seek out mental health resources in your area if you so need to. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. back relax let's kick your feet up uh relax your shoulders unclench your jaw take a deep breath how we doing it's been a long week thank god for a three-day weekend for most of us and we are back here on the captain's couch i am your host byron taylor this is session number 54 here on the couch it's the Levante David uh, session for today, for this week. And I say that because, uh, you know, it is. Uh, yeah, football's about to happen. I will see how the season goes. <laughs> we'll see if we make it through the season. But, um, you know, go Bucks and all that good jazz. Um, if we make it through the season, maybe we make the Super Bowl with, you know, um, Darth Vader and um, General Grievous on the team this year. Um, you know they separated from the the evil Empire um, and, and and Emperor Palpatine up there with Belichick in New England. So we'll see what happens this year with Brady and Gronk in the fold. And yes, Vader is here, um, wanting attention or whatever. I don't know. He's he's meowing and whining like he wants to spend time with me. Yep, and now he's rubbing up on my leg. So, yes, we're back here on the couch. Um, it's been an interesting week. Um, sat down with my friends and watched Black Panther on Friday. Um, now the kid is living with me full time. So that happened. Um, it's going to be a big adjustment for me. Um, but we'll we'll figure it out and do what we need to do. Um, but one thing I did notice didn't happen this week is I didn't get any new five-star reviews. And I feel some kind of way about that. Um, so Amazon, oh, hang on, I forgot I'm in my office now, Alexa, play Pray For Me by The Weeknd. Pray For Me by The Weeknd from Tidal. Yeah, it's another new month, guys. It's, uh, it's September, um... Hadn't had a five-star review for a while. Um, if you want to show support and love for the podcast, one of the main ways that you can do it 
is by leaving a five-star review on iTunes, on Apple iTunes, on um, Stitcher Radio. Um, you can leave a five-star review on Overcast. You can leave a five-star review on the Facebook page um, at facebook.com uh, slash uh, the captain's couch. You can leave five-star reviews um, in Overcast and Podcast Addict. Um, different podcast apps that you use. Um, I believe if you find me on Podomatic, I think you can rate me there as well. Um, you can leave feedback, and I really appreciate people, you know, talking to me and letting me know that they're listening to the show and giving me feedback, you know, when they when they talk to me. But it, leave feedback on the show on social media so that I can read it on the show. Um, you can do that at the Captain's Couch um, Twitter page um, at Captain's Couch. Um, you can do that on the on the post on the Facebook page. Um, you can also do that on the post whenever I post on Instagram. You can leave feedback there as well. I'll read those comments on the show. Um, so, yeah, please be sure that you're leaving feedback for, for me. Let me know that you're listening. Um, use the hashtag, the captain's couch, um, on social media. And also use the pod in um, hashtag as well because we're on podcast and color. Um, so yeah, leave feedback. You know, want to make sure that we're interacting with this, and we want to be sure we're doing five star reviews so that the podcast is easier to search for and find on um, Apple iTunes. Alexa, stop playing. So we're back here on the couch, and both of the pets are now in here. Leela um, has made her way into the um, the office here, um, the captain's quarters. Um, that I believe I'll be calling the office space now because I mean, it makes sense. Um, so this week we are going to kind of continue the look that look at grief, um, as we are, you know, still kind of going through the mourning process of losing a uh, Chadwick Boseman. Um, you know, as some of many of us are still, you know, giving our tributes to Black Panther and to his, his body of work. Um, you know, for quarantine cinema last week, we did sit down and watch Black Panther together as a family. Um, so that was that was very cathartic and good to kind of get through. Um, so this week we're gonna look at grief in terms of the multitude ah words the multitude and multiple ways that we may experience grief. Believe it or not, there is not one particular way that people grieve. Um, I know I think we have this thing where when people grieve, it always looks the same, that there's always sadness and people just bawling their eyes out and crying. But that's not necessarily the case when it comes to grief. Grief can be very complicated. Um, grief can be, you know, a very long process for people. Um, you know, I know I know the song and this episode of the show to say today. I know that though the, the scripture says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Sometimes that morning takes a while to get here. Um, so we're going to kind of go through and kind of define. So, yeah, we'll be looking at and defining some of the different ways that grief may impact us or the different types of grief that we may experience. Um, so this is an article from um, What's Your Grief? written by uh, Eleanor Hanley. Um, so. The article is type is entitled Types of Grief. Yes, there's more than one. Um, so there's a few things that you can do when you're struggling with grief. You obviously you can, you know, if prayer is how you deal with your grief and your spirituality, church, um, prayer, meditation, you know, talking with your pastor, going over scripture, 
um, therapy, if that's going to be the thing that's going to help you, um, you know, talking to therapy or a grief counseling. Um, if your grief has kind of grown to more complicated, where it's more like depression as well as some complicated feelings around your grief, um, then, you know, sitting down with your, your therapist or maybe medication, maybe something that may help um, with your grief as well as your depression. Um, so let's look at the different types of grief. So obviously we think about it. There's the, of course, the normal type of grief. Um, so yeah, we call this normal grief. So now what the author author says is that, um, first clarifying, there is no typical or average type of grief. There are no timelines and grief experiences generally vary from one individual to another. Normal grief is simply referred to as a grief response that falls under the extremely broad umbrella of predictability. Reactions can be physical and psychological. It is not uncommon to experience periods of intense uh, distress and feelings and feelings such as, but not limited to, longing, crying, dreaming of a loved one, anger, denial, sadness, despair, insomnia, fatigue, guilt, loss of interest, confusion, disorganization, disbelief, inability to concentrate, meaninglessness, withdrawal, avoidance, overreacting, numbness, relief, sadness, yearning, fear, loneliness, helplessness and hopelessness, emptiness, loss of appetite, weight gain. So a lot of these are symptoms of depression, (laughs) believe it or not. Um, But yes, grief can send you through the whirlwind of all of those feelings. Um, especially when you've had, say, like in the situation with Chadwick Bozeman, a family member who was dealing with cancer, you're going to go through a lot of those feelings. You're going to go through the feelings of, you know, anger that, you know, you lost your loved one probably at a young age, or you're going to go through the feelings of uh, helplessness because there was nothing you could really do to help them, you know, longing for the person, um, some feeling of relief because, you know, the person that you cared for is no longer suffering and pain. Um, but then also feelings of emptiness and loss of appetite um, and, you know, withdrawal and avoidance and those kind of things when you're in deep sadness over something or someone that you've lost. So, I mean, grief is complicated, it's complex, and there are so many different things that you can feel when you grieve. Um so the next thing we look at is, oh, I'm sorry. However, normal grief is marked by movement towards acceptance of the loss and a gradual alleviation of these symptoms, as well as the ability to continue engage in basic daily activities. So the next type of grief we want to look at is anticipatory grief. This suggests that it is the reaction to a death that you were able to anticipate such as when an individual dies from a long-term illness. So, you know, for Chadwick's wife, this might've been one, or when, you know, we had somebody close to us sick with cancer um, or sick with HIV or sick with um, maybe, I don't know, I'm trying to think, maybe kidney failure. You can kind of anticipate some of those things. Um So this is being able to kind of prepare for a death and mourn somebody knowing that the time is coming. Um, As soon as you accept and understand someone you love is going to die, you begin grieving. 
Uh, grief that occurs preceding a loss can be confusing as you may feel conflicted or guilty for experiencing grief reactions about someone who is still here. Um, you may experience anger, loss of emotion control, and helplessness. You may also feel grief over the loss of other things than the individual, such as the loss of hopes and dreams for the future and uh, loss associated with changing roles and family structure. So anticipatory grief is different um, than the grief response felt after the death of someone, but it definitely doesn't make it easier. It can also allow that those who love the individuals who slowly and gradually prepare and absorb the reality of the loss. Also for some, but not all, it allows for meaningful time spent with the individual lending to a sense of closure and peace, which, you know, is kind of a thing that we often can get when someone that we know and love that we know and love dearly is their time is running out. You at least are given some opportunities to gain some kind of peace and closure towards the end. So the next one we look at is complicated grief. This refers to reactions and feelings of loss that are debilitating, long lasting and impair your ability to engage in daily function. So there are a couple different types of this grief and this type of complicated grief. And we'll go through the three of those in just a second. Um, the concept of complicated grief is well known and generally accepted. It is not without its detractors. There are some who believe that complicated grief is simply the manifestation of grief reactions combined with other other mental disorders such as depression and anxiety, which I mean, hey, having depression and anxiety absolutely could complicate your grief. Um, so the three different little subsections of complicated grief we look at are chronic delayed and distorted grief. Chronic grief is strong grief reactions that do not do not subside or and last over a long period of time. Um, continually, continually experiencing extreme distress over the loss of somebody with no progress or feeling better or improving your function. Delayed grief, delayed grief is um, when your grief symptoms and reactions aren't experienced until long after a person has died or a lot of time or at a much later time than is typical. Um, the griever who um, consciously or subconsciously avoids the reality and pain of the loss suppresses these reactions. So this is delayed grief can come in a situation where you have a strong sense of denial over the loss of somebody. And it's taking you quite some time in order to actually allow yourself to process the feelings that you have. Distorted grief is, um, a extreme intense atypical reaction to a loss um odd changes in behavior and self-destructive actions um can be a sign of the of, of this type of grief anger and hostility towards yourself or others is common in this type of grief so cumulative is a is the next one now there's a whole separate article on cumulative grief um, and we may we may go back over that another day. Um, but honestly, looking at this, this is kind of a really good example of what 2020 has been like. Um, cumulative grief is when one experiences a second loss while grieving a first loss. This can be re referred to as bereavement overload or grief overload. And 
I say that 2020 has kind of been that. This has kind of been a year full of grief or bereavement overload. Um, we look at, you know, the loss of Kobe Bryant. We look at COVID-19 and the loss of so many people and the loss of so much um, of what we considered a normal life. We now look at the loss of Chadwick Boseman. We look at the loss of um, Big John Thompson. We look at so many different people we've lost this year. Um, it can absolutely feel like it is so much and too much to really just all sink in. Because honestly, when we look at it, especially because of COVID, so many things that we would probably be doing to distract ourselves from the losses that we've experienced or, you know, the state of unrest in the country, we're not able to do. So the un inability to be able to do so many things that we would normally do as a means to cool down and chill out or relax, like concerts and movies and parties and visiting family and stuff like that we're not able to do as much so we're more and more and more bombarded by the grief and the loss of a celebrity that meant something to us the grief and loss of all of the activities that we were supposed to do the grief of being black in america and feeling like we're constantly under attack especially in this current administration it has been so much to bear this year um so that is cumulative grief um, prolonged grief. Um, this is similar to chronic grief. Um, so you are having a state of, you know, prolonged and intense grief over time. Um, the griever is incapacitated by grief and daily function is impaired for a long period of time. Exaggerated grief is the next one. It is an overwhelming intensification of normal grief reactions that may worsen over time. Characterized by extreme and excessive grief reactions, possibly including nightmares, self-destructive behaviors, drug abuse, thoughts of suicide, abnormal fears, and the development and engagement of psychiatric disorders. Um, the next one we look at is. Now we're getting there is secondary loss. So. When a loss impacts many areas of one life, um, creating multiple losses stemming from the primary loss. Though it is easy to think of our grief as solely the grief of losing a person who died. Our grief is also the pain of the loss of others caused by um, a result of this death. So grief, oh, let's see, it's also caused by the grief. There's also the pain of the others losses oh other people's losses caused by the death so um this is like a situation where you are also being very strongly impacted by the grief of other people around you so maybe say your mom passes away and while you're feeling the grief your aunts and uncles may be feeling the grief because that was their sister your grandparents may be feeling the grief because that is um, you know, their child, um, your cousins and you may be feeling the grief because there's someone that that was their mom, that was your aunt. And it's all collectively kind of weighing on you or, you know, all of the collective grief is weighing on you. So the next type of grief is masked grief. 
So grief reactions that impair normal functioning, however the individual is unable to recognize these symptoms and behaviors, are related to the loss. Symptoms are often masked as either physical symptoms or maladaptive behaviors like drinking. Disenfranchised grief. One's grief is considered disenfranchised when the culture, society, or support group make them feel that their loss and or grief is invalidated and insignificant. This can occur when the death is stigmatized by means of things like suicide, um, overdose, um, HIV, AIDS, drunk driving. Um, the relationship is seen as insignificant. Um, maybe it's an ex-spouse or a partner or a miscarriage or a pet. Um, the relationship is stigmatized by society. Maybe it's a same-sex marriage or a gang member or, you know what? I actually have a very good example for this one. So a few months ago, I think maybe around the time COVID started and I was actually watching a little bit of television, I watched the um, Dark Side of the Ring on Chris Benoit. Um, and for people who don't know who Chris Benoit is, he was probably one of the best technical wrestlers I have ever seen. And probably in the business in the wrestling business, like as far as the means of like technically sound and talented in the ring, um, by, by that, we mean like his move, his, his moves, his ability to work in the ring and how well he made it look. Chris Benoit was absolutely one of the best to ever do it. Chris Benoit is also known for, um, in 2005, I believe it was, the double homicide suicide of his wife and son and then um, killing himself afterwards. So we looked at, you know, what, what, is it even remotely appropriate to grieve someone like this? Um, he was a monster. Look what he did at the end of his life. How dare we like grieve somebody? But when you talk to people like Chris Jericho, like Chavo Guerrero Jr., like Dean Malenko, like Vicky Guerrero, um, like Chris Benoit's son, uh, David, there is the complicated feelings of, yeah, he was my friend. He was my dad. Um, he was my husband's best friend. When we talk about Vicky, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit were best of friends. And, you know, Vicky says all the time that Chris just was not the same when Eddie died. And we, you know, we look at, you know, one of the things that we mentioned was, um, distorted grief. Um, I, I believe that part of this, part of what was going on with Chris Benoit was, um, that really distorted grief that he was going through of the loss of Eddie Guerrero, um, while also, you know, doing steroids and, you know, possibly having CTE that all kind of came to a head to the end of the very tragic end of his family and himself. Um, but, you know, you have to look at a situation where David Benoit still is now grieving the loss of his father, his stepmother, and his brother. And many people, because of what Chris Benoit did, has disenfranchised his grief. Um, you know, he's not allowed, he should be allowed to grieve over his dad. He's like, dude, my dad was my best friend. He was my hero. Like, I still love him. You know, 
and I miss him. So we have to be cautious about that because there are still people attached to this person who is going to grieve their loss because that their loss is going to loom humongous for them. I mean, David Benoit was like a teenager when this happened. Um, so now he is without a father. He's also lost a brother. And, you know, he actually even lost connections to his family because of what happened. Um, so disenfranchised grief is a very, very complicated one, for sure. Um, traumatic grief is the next one. Normal grief responses um, experienced in combination with traumatic distress suffered as a result of a loved one dying in a way um, perceived to be frightening, horrifying, or unexpected, violent, and or traumatic. Distress is um, extreme enough to impair daily function. So this is like a family member being, well, this is kind of <laughs> um, the the other side of the uh, the Benoit tragedy is the traumatic part of how they died and how you've lost your family members. Um, collective grief is grief felt by a group such as a community, society, village, nation as a result of an event such as a war, natural disaster, terrorist attack, death of a public figure, or any other event leading to mass casualties or national tragedy. We are going through collective grief as we speak. This is 2020. We are collectively grieving through COVID and through so many other different things. Ambiguous grief is similar to disenfranchised grief. Uh, inhibited grief occurs when an individual shows no outward signs of grief for an extended period of time. The individual inhibits their grief, um, eventually leading to physical manifestations and some compl and somatic complaints. All right, last two. Abbreviated grief is a short-lived grief response. The grieving process often seems shorter because the role of the deceased is immediate, um, filled by someone or something because there was little attachment to the deceased. Um, and the, the, the individual is able to accept and integrate the loss quickly um, due to anticipatory grief. So um, the author writes this quote. So. I was surprised to find out the most common explanation for abbreviated grief was due to, quote, replacement of the deceased, such as a remarriage. And she's like, what? I see what they're getting at. And I suppose for a small fraction of widows with a worse, this could be true. But as a generalization, it seems ridiculous. Um, getting remarried after the death of a spouse is neither a replacement nor a fast track to injure grief. And the last type of grief we have is absent grief. Um, this is when the bereaved shows absolutely no signs of grief and acts as though nothing has happened. Um, characterized by complete shock or denial, especially in the face of sudden loss. This becomes concerning when it goes on for an extended period of time. This does not account for differences in how we grieve. It is important to note that just because you can't tell someone is grieving, doesn't mean that they aren't. Um, yeah. So those are the different types of grief. Um, and I'm not necessarily someone who is like a pro prolonged grief. 
type of person. I'm more of the type of one. There's a, a type that we didn't mention in here. It's called integrated grief, where you have normalized the loss of a person and you're able to kind of move on. But you still grieve over the person occasionally, like if you think about the person or on a special holiday, like a birthday or the anniversary of their death. Um, that's kind of typically where I get to be, um, you know, when a loved one dies. I think it's hard for me to grieve, to grieve a little bit, um, I think because my mind tries to rationalize the loss. But usually the, the the funeral is usually the crescendo of my grief where I will usually cry. Um, and that's usually typically the only time I really do cry is, you know, being faced with the um, the absolution of, yes, this person I care for has died. There's no oh, there's no way of looking around it. I'm looking at their body. And they're just not there anymore. They look like they're asleep. Um, this this is how I was with my aunt, my great grandmother, my uncle. Um, I was good up until the funeral. And with each of them, especially now with, with my aunt Elaine, is that, and I think with her more than anything, it's because I had such a close connection with her. Um, well, my great grandmother, like I had a little bit of anticipatory grief with that because she was 91 at that point. Um, so, you know, I was able to kind of mentally be able to prepare for that. Um, but with my aunt, it, with my aunt and my uncle being so sudden, now I know it's a little bit different. My relationships was different with both of them, but especially with my aunt, I do find myself still, you know, okay. Like when I think about her getting teary eyed and feeling sad and obviously longing for her presence. Um, but, you know, that's also kind of part of the integrated grief process is that, you know, I, I'm, you know, at the point of, yes, I know she's not here. And I am often reminded that she isn't, but, you know, I still can function throughout the day. You know, I still do feel some sense of sadness because of her loss, but it's not debilitating and crippling. Um, so that's integrated grief, which was not on this list. Um, so let's wrap up today with some lessons that we can learn through the grieving process. Um, this is an article from psychology today, um, by, um, Dr. Uh, Andrea, uh, Andrea, uh, Brandt. So this is entitled three lessons of loss or three lessons on loss and grief. And like we mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show, there's no incorrect way to respond to loss. Um, so to help you grieve and heal after a loss, here are three things you should know. First things first, grief is a healthy and necessary process. So the first thing you need to understand about grief is that you can't take it away and you shouldn't try. Love lost is painful. It just is. I mean, and we talk about grief and loss and we talk about it in the, in the framework of death, but frame it in the sense of the loss of normalcy, the loss of a job, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a marriage. Um, and grief 
fits in that framework as well. Like, I mean, I'm certain that one of these days I will probably do an episode about grieving the end of a marriage because I had to do it at one point. Um, Grief is an essential part of realistic positivity, the mindset in which we accept what is and strive to find what is possible as acceptance and acknowledgement of what if I mean, what is sorry, Um, trying to avoid grieving will not work and will only increase and prolong your suffering unless you process grief. When the loss occurs, your emotions will become stuck in your system, both mind and body. Grief will stay with you as energy in your unconscious, affecting your life until you discover it and process it out. So you want to allow your feelings to wash over you and sit with them for a while. And this accepting a non-judgmental manner um, is profound, is a profound healing method. Um, and yeah, it's going to be hard. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, though you might imagine the worst when you're considering what will happen, if you allow yourself to feel your feelings um, that, you know, they might last forever. You may be stuck in a bed forever because you lost somebody. That's not the case. Um, eventually, your feelings will subside and you'll be able to move forward if you're allowing yourself the space and giving yourself the space and the grace to feel these feelings because they are vital that you do feel them and you're going to need to feel them in order to process them and move on. Second lesson is you build resiliency by honoring and replacing what you've lost. So when we lose a loved one, you lose several things at once. You lose that person. You lose your relationship with them. You lose your way of living if they were your helpmate. You lose your plans that you have with them. You lose so many different things. Um, Replacing what you lost in a situation of this magnitude won't happen right away. And it won't be easy. Um, When you lose a parent, that is profoundly hard. I haven't experienced that yet. I know so many people who have, whether that was, you know, being there with Shelby last year when Miss Debbie passed, whether that was way back in the day with with Rick when his dad was killed, um, whether that's, you know, through knowing people like D and watching D mourn and grieve as an adult, you know, the loss of her mom and still work working through her grief. Um you know, it's a profound thing, but finding people to replace that role can be difficult, but not impossible. Um, you know, but it's it's something that will take time. Uh, replacing your loss doesn't mean forgetting the person who has died. It means finding a new person or persons to fill the role of a friend or a lover or a mentor. It requires allowing yourself to grieve the death fully. And let go of expectations of filling the lost person's shoes in the same way. Replacing loss requires an awareness of your needs and willingness to reach towards others to find them. It requires self-compassion and patience as you find your new way forward. And lastly, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Perhaps no event is more likely to trigger isolation than the trauma of losing someone, but you need to reach out to recover. 
Okay. Um, if you're reading this during the COVID-19 pandemic, which we're reading right now, um, as the author put this, you know how logistically difficult this can be. Getting out of your head and focusing on someone else's needs instead of your own is a time-tested way to heal. Volunteer to tutor students online. Adopt a dog or a cat that needs a loving and caring home. Use Zoom or socially distant visits to stay connected with friends and family who are also grieving. You can help each other heal. So third and last, our last lesson that we can learn through loss, you learn the value of life. Death, te death teaches us that every moment counts. And I think we learn that lesson th through watching, you know, the revelation of Chadwick Boseman's passing and how he made every moment of the last four years of his life count um, by tirelessly working to, you know, show, show, you know, show off his craft to, you know, let his community know how much he knew that what his work was important to us to let us know how much he was devoted to us and cared um, for his community, for the kids that he was visiting, um, for the people around him. Um, that we must live and live fully, knowing that we may not get another chance. This knowledge can help you make better choices and affect how you experience life. The loss of a loved one creates an opportunity to deepen existing connections or create new ones. Um, it can push you to meet new people and explore new ways to achieve the affirmation and love that you need. Many people say that they become more thoughtful, loving, and compassionate after losing someone they love. It is often the fire of this type of experience that burns away what is false and not serving you. And, and rising from the ashes, you become more, you become your most authentic and best self. So through the memories, through the love, through the life that you have for the person that you loved and has lost, that person is never truly gone. No one ever really dies. Um, they're still with you because of who you become by being with them. They are truly part of you and they live through you. You honor their memory by living your best possible life. So as you heard so much of the Lion King play out in that last that last sentence, remember that, you know, and I think about my aunt. Um, yeah, I uh, I try to honor her through the, the man that I've grown to be and through my love of music, because I know that she loved music and that was always something that was, you know, that she loved and, and always stuck with me and it always will. Um, I, I'm, I'm still sad that I never got to show her my record collection. I know she would have been really geeked for that, but I know that through this relationship I'm in, through the father that I am, through the son that I am, that she's proud of me. And that's something I, I want to keep with me. And the same thing for my uncle, for, for my, my great grandmother, and I miss them all. And, um, yeah, this guy sad at the end. Um, but yeah. So if you're thinking about someone that you love and that you lost recently, 
or that you're still, you know, going through the process of that. Give yourself the grace and the space to allow yourself to feel those emotions and grieve. Um, but also remember that if you are being the best person that you can be, that you're thriving and you're growing and you're, you know, doing the best that you can, that the person that you love and care for, that ultimately they are proud of you for your efforts. And, you know, that is the, the, the lesson that we want to take from this today is that through living the best possible life that you can live, you carry on the love and the life and the memory of those that have gone before you. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to The Captain's Couch. Like, share, subscribe, donate if you want to, if you would like to. Um, I set up a link tree, so all the links for the show are up on Linktree. I'll be sharing that throughout the week um, so that you can find the donation tabs if you want to do that. Um, you can find the podcast more easily easily through Anchor. I may update it to where I, you can find the iTunes links and stuff like that if you're having trouble finding it. Um, but yeah, leave five-star reviews, rate the show, leave feedback, donate um, if that's something you want to do. Become a a monthly um, supporter of the show or a one-time donation, whichever one you want to do. Um, with that being said, guys, we will adjourn for the week and we'll be back next week. And we'll flip it up and do a little something different next week. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about consent. We'll see you next time. May the force be with you. Peace. Congregation, would you turn your text to the book about cast? Chapter 2, verse 1, the first one to feel me. Jump up and make a joyful noise, use our cast it. Meaning, now you have a choice like that. You'll be waiting.